chapter. A lot of times I don't start with a text, but tonight I'm going to start with a text. Matthew 14, verses 20, very familiar, and um, you know, everybody's going to think that I'm going a certain direction with this, and probably I'm not, but uh, just go ahead and think that way. I gave the uh, PowerPoint person not enough scripture, so you'll just have to follow. I gave you 24, verse 24, but I'm going to go through 31. So Matthew 24, or 14 rather, Matthew 14, verses 24 through 31. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Now, I want to take back and I'm going to have you seated in just a moment. Now, just with the knowledge of who Peter... I'll go ahead and be seated because I'm just going to... I may get started talking never shut up. Okay, just with the knowledge that I have of Peter, and if anybody has studied the Scripture any length of time, you would concur with what I'm about to say. Being an impetuous person the way he was, I'm sure that was the, his impetuousness that caused him to say, Jesus, if it is you, I want you to come. That was impetuousness. That's what he is, impetuous Peter. Now, by him saying that, Robertson feels this, and I believe that I'm correct. And this is where I got my, my title from. Peter believed Jesus walking on the water, that he could do the same thing. But the problem was, I believe when Jesus said, Come, that Peter hesitated for just a moment, thinking that Jesus would settle everything down. It's one thing to walk on nice, smooth water. It's something else to walk on water that is a little boisterous and rough. So when he said, come, I believe, now this, I can't prove this, but I believe Peter said, well, Lord, there's a storm between you and I. There's a storm there between you and I. If you calm things down, I can get to you a little easier. And keep in mind that he did go ahead and get out, but what's the first thing that he saw? was a storm. Now, there has been throughout the centuries many discoveries that have been made as a result of a storm. In fact, life as we know it wouldn't be the same had there not been ships that were blown off course by storms. 982, in fact, this is where... where uh, Eric got his, his, his name. Eric, back there he is. This is where Eric probably got his name from. Because in 982, a Norse chieftain named Eric the Red was faced with a storm and blown off course. And as a result of his being blown off course, he discovered Greenland. 
In 1000 A.D., the Norse discoveries of America, uh, the, uh, actually the Norse discoverer of America, let me get that right, discoverer of America, Leif Erikson. Now, you can say what you want to. I'm a strong believer in history, and I don't believe that uh, Columbus discovered America. I believe Leif Erikson discovered America. But we'll go ahead with history, and we'll do that because there's been too many things found. But regardless, Leif Erikson's son of Eric the Red, he was son of Eric the Red, was blown off course and landed in present-day Newfoundland, then landed again with another storm in New England. Herofson was blown off course on his way to join his father in Greenland and discovered an unknown land that was possibly the east coast of Canada. Now think about this. 1592, John Davis discovered the Falkland Islands. Anthony de la Roche discovered South Georgia Islands. William Smith discovered the South Shetlands in 1819. All of this set the framework for further exploration. Storms set the framework for men to further discover. Storms that blew people off course, who couldn't quite know, didn't know where they were going to wind up, set the foundation or framework, if you would, of further exploration. James Cook, 1772, surmised that all the icebergs that were seen in the southern sea had broken off an ice sheet terminating in high cliffs. His studies proved there was a continent that was further to the south, and he soon discovered that continent. This all took place because someone had the ability, the adventure spirit, if you would, to go out and face a storm. Are you with me? You see churches that stay the same and stagnant all the time and never face a storm, never go anywhere. They never get the moving in the gifts of the Spirit. They don't see angels. They don't have a great move of God like we've been experiencing here because they're afraid of what they're going to face tomorrow. But we're here to tell the devil and everything outside of these walls tonight that we are not afraid of anything he'll throw against us. We're going to discover. We're going to go forward. We're eventually going to go up. God sends spiritual and physical storms to us. And they're, they're, and when He sends them our way, there's a purpose. It's either to get us on the track of discovery or to stop us from making another bad decision. It's like this. You're like a tea bag, everybody in here. Not worth much till you've been put through some hot water. <laughs> have you ever made a mistake? If you have, if anybody can agree with me and say along with me that in my 57 years, almost 58 in March, that I made one mistake, then this message is for you. The fact that you failed is proof that you're not finished. Oh, come on now. The proof that you failed means that you're not finished. Failures and mistakes can be, can be a bridge, not a barricade to success. Just like storms. Storms don't have to be a barricade to find Jesus. 
Storms may blur him just a little bit, but it's all about, and I'm going to come to that later, it's all about what you see. Psalm 37, 20, 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his ways. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord uphold him with his hand. Failure may look like a fact, but it's just an opinion. Come on now. It's just an opinion. Successful people believe that mistakes are just feedback. That's all. It's not how far you fall, but how high you bounce that makes all the difference in the world. Come on with me now. This ain't I'm facing a lot of things. Come on, bounce back. Don't let it keep you down. Mm, no. Theodore Roosevelt said this, Far better is to dare mighty things, to win glorious triumphs, even though checkered by failure, than to rank with those poor spirits who neither enjoy much nor suffer much because they live in the great twilight that knows not victory or defeat. One of the riskiest things you can do in life is to take too many precautions. Mm, and never have any failures or mistakes. Failure is the opportunity to start over more intelligently. No one ever achieved worthwhile success who did not at one time or another teeter on the edge of disaster. And if you have tried to do something and failed, you're vastly better off than if you have tried to do nothing and succeeded. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. The person who never makes a mistake must get awfully tired doing nothing. Mm, feel a little preaching coming on. In 1 Kings 18 and 19, I love this. I love it. I'm going to preach this. Uh, I said, God, this is what you, you, you have to let me use this as an example. Elijah had given Ahab the prophecy of the famine ending in Israel. He told Ahab, get thee up, eat, drink. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Elijah had just defeated the prophets of Baal, and he was at the top of his prophetic game. He was at the very top. He was doing the best. There was nothing impossible for old Elijah because God was on his side. He felt good about who he was. God had simply said, now, go show yourself to Ahab. That's all you have to do, and I will send rain on the earth. Go do what I tell you, and I will send the storm cloud. Come on now, that's what he said. He said, go do what I tell you and I will send the storm clouds. Now, folks, <laughs> always with storm clouds, rain follows. Rain follows. I never, I, I, you, you know, that, that old song we sing, I feel the rain, I feel the rain falling down on me. Oh, I feel the rain. But the problem with the rain is there's storms before the rain. And everybody's saying, you know, last Sunday we sing about the rain, and all week I had storm clouds hanging over me. Well, my Lord, how do you expect God to do? He said He'd send it, but He sends everything that goes along with it. Ooh, come on now. Everything that goes along with it. You know, when the, you get a certain age, when the storms come, you feel them. Now, my wife feels it in her back and in her fingers. I feel it in my upper right-hand molar. Oh, I need the thing needs to be pulled or I need a root canal, one of the two, all right? And then I'm beginning to feel it in my back. 
So I know the storm is coming because I got another storm raging inside of me. Are you hearing me? Anytime something good is going to happen, there's got to be something that precedes it. That's just a biblical fact. Let's get there. Let's enjoy what God puts before the good things. We need to enjoy the whole thing going right along with it. Come on now. Mm. Now, now, Elijah had just raised the dead defeated and killed the prophets of Baal, prayed down rain upon the earth, outran Ahab's horses all the way back to Jezreel. Now he's, in a, he's running away from Jezebel because of nothing more than a threat. That's all. It was just a threat. This man, with all the power that God had given him, now had turned tail. If I could run, outrun a bunch of horses all the way to Jezreel, about 25 miles, he outran them. If I could do that, I wouldn't think anything could stop me. But all of a sudden, the things just switched around and the storm hit him. All this from a witchy woman. Some of you old 70s people know about that song, don't you? Uh-huh. Regardless of your level of spirituality, There is always something out there that can throw you. However, it doesn't matter how good a rider you are, there's always a horse out there that you can't ride. It doesn't matter how good a pig farmer you are, there's always a pig you can't handle. It doesn't matter how good a man of God you are or a preacher you are, there's always somebody in the congregation who thinks they can have somebody better. Except here. (laughs) There's always something that can put you on the run. That's just a fact of life. Elijah went into the wilderness, sat down under a juniper tree to die, and he he was tired. He was tired of the pressure. He is tired of being the man of God. He was tired of everybody calling out to him. He was tired of all that. Just like all of us get tired of the same old stuff. You ever get tired of coming to church and what you need to do is make church better? And you know how to do that? You do it like you did it tonight. You begin to worship and love and adore and let God know that you appreciate everything that He's ever been and done for you. You make it better. God told him, He said, What are you doing here? I come to sit down under the juniper tree and die. I'm no better than my daddy's. God told him, he said, I want you to get up and go to the mount. There, God was going to show him. Hear me. God was getting ready to change the way that he communicated to Elijah. I feel prophetic tonight. Because you exact, this is exactly, exactly what God is trying to do to us. And there are some individuals out here tonight. God's trying to change the way that he's communicating to you. You're used to it a certain way, and God's saying, I'm not doing it that way anymore. Follow me. We get so used, so familiar with something, and God says, I'm changing it. I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about the way he talks to us. Told him to go to the mountain. He said, I'm going to change the way I communicate to you. 
the Lord passed by. And a strong wind rent the mountains. The Bible says that it actually cracked open the rocks. And I can imagine, if you would with me, uh, kind of go there with me in your imagination, if you would. I can imagine God saying to Elijah, He said, Do you remember Elijah? When as a strong wind, I blew all the chaff out of your life. I filled your very senses. And as a result of that, you stepped out in front of Ahab and told him that there would not be rain on the earth except by your word. That was necessary, Elijah, for the time. But Elijah, I'm not there right now. I'm not in the wind. I'm not there. Then the Lord passed by again, and there was an earthquake. Remember, Elijah, how I came by one time in an earthquake and shook your very foundation. When everyone was experiencing the famine, I was feeding you at the brook Cherith by sending a raven with food. Do you remember, Elijah, what I did for you? Are you with me tonight? Do you remember what God has done for you in the past? Maybe He addressed you in a certain way. And you're looking for that in that same way now, but God's not there anymore. God is, oh my God, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. Do you understand what I'm saying? God is going to change a few things this evening. He's going to change. He's going to move some storms. And He's going to let you know that He's got a different way of communicating. I don't want you to hear it tonight. And the Lord sent the fire. Remember the fire, Elijah. I consumed in you more of your doubts when by your hand I raised the widow's son back to life. Do you remember the storm clouds, Elijah, that I sent? Then I sent the rain. Do you understand, Elijah, the spiritual implication here? I'm showing you something in the physical of what I've done for you. And listen, Elijah, the best is yet to come. I don't know anywhere in the Bible where it says another man was taken up in a fiery chariot. I don't know anywhere. Elijah, I communicated to you in a certain way, but now, Elijah, it's that still, small voice. I've got something I want you to do, and I want you to listen real quietly. I don't want you to expect the earthquake, the wind, or the fire. I want you to listen for a voice. And what I'm trying to say to you is that you've got someone to call to take your place, and he's going to ask for a double portion, which is exactly what he did. He is going to get a double portion of what you are, and I'm going to come down, and I'm going to get you, Elijah. I'm going to take you up in a fiery chariot, because you've been pleasing to me. Even though you messed up and you ran from Jezebel, you're still pleasing to me, Elijah. I still believe there's some good in there because you've been obedient. You've listened to me. Come on to McCormick Street. Have you been obedient? Have you listened to God? Have you done what God has asked you to do? I believe we have. And God wants to communicate to us. <laughs> yeah. It's necessary for us to endure the storms. It's vital to have earthquakes in our lives. It gets us back on the road. They elevate us to levels that we thought we could never achieve. But there is an end to the storm. 
You're not been in church 35 years to endure one 35 year storm. You need to look at it and say it's time for the storm to end. It's time for it to stop. It stops in my life tonight. It stops in my life tonight. God has got the wherewithal to take care of every situation. And God, whatever you tell me to do this evening, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Whatever you ask of me, God, I'm going to do it because the storm stops tonight. The storm stops tonight. The storm stops tonight. You know, if there hadn't have been a storm in the Sea of Galilee, the, the disciples wouldn't have worked nearly as hard. If, if you're, you're in a storm and you're in a, a sails-type boat, you're going to take the rigging down and you're going to put the oars in the water and you're going to keep the bow of that boat right into the waves. That's exactly what you're going to do. Because if you don't do that, you're going to be swamped. And there's sometimes in a spiritual sense when the only thing that you can do is put the bow into the waves and row with everything that you've got. You have to take down the rigging. Sometimes God sends a wind and moves you around. This time you can't. So you just put the bow right into the wind. And you start pulling. And you pull. And you pull. For those of you that's been pulling for a few years, the pulling stops tonight. The pulling stops tonight. If there hadn't been a storm on the Sea of Galilee, they never would have seen Jesus walking on the water. You know what Jesus was doing? He was communicating to them differently. He was letting them say, I'm more than just a man. I'm more than just a man. You're seeing me now in my Godhood. You're seeing me as the Almighty because Job said, only the Almighty treadeth on the waves of the sea. So he was communicating to them in a different way. You see, God does that. When you get salvation, there's only one way of salvation. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the remission of sin. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Promises unto you, that you're, 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 all them people behind you. To your children, all them that are far off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Tongue got to go so fast, I couldn't think fast enough. <laughs> That's the only way. But God, after you're there, He starts taking you up. And you start wanting more and more and more from God. And those levels begin to, you know, all that begins to open up to you. And, 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 and there's opportunities. And God says, okay, we're going to give you an opportunity. We've got to take you to the storm first. Because I'm on the other side of the storm. You just got to, you just got to watch what you're looking at here. You just got to watch it. If there hadn't been a storm, they never would have seen him as God walking on the water. Had there not been a storm, Peter would have never had a chance to walk on the water. Had Peter not focused on the storm, he might have walked to shore. Don't you think if I had the opportunity to walk on the water, I wouldn't head for shore if there was a storm going? Just as fast as my little feet would carry me. Even with a peg leg, I would go fast. Just as hard as I could head right for shore. And you know, if he made it to shore, the others would have said the same thing. Hey, Peter made it. So we're going to involve the whole group in a miracle. 
Do you realize if one person... Rob, come on now. Rob had that opportunity, didn't he? And he's, he's passing it on. That's good for him. It's good for him. He did it. How many is going to follow? Oh, come on now. How many is going to follow? How many really want to follow? How many want to see the same thing happen? You want to see an angel. You want to speak in tongues and have someone understand it. You want to lay hands on someone and see them healed. I'm going to give you a little secret here because you're going to come down to stop some storms in your life in a few minutes. The only thing that stops a storm in your life is what you focus on. If you focus on the storm, you'll sink. If you focus on Jesus, the storm will stop. You'll see a miracle. That's the focus, and that's what you have to do this evening. (laughs) Now, I told the minister's class this morning, some of you may have heard of him. Some of you, uh, I think he's still around, Morton Bustard. He wrote a couple of books. I, I had one of them for a while until I loaned it to Tony, and Tony kept it with the other book that I loaned him. Um, <clears throat> okay, okay. Just thought I'd, uh, thought I'd throw that in. Okay. I only loaned him one. I'm just giving him grief. Okay. Morton Bustard said when he first started preaching, he said he had absolutely, he said, I desired, and, and this man worked in the gifts of the Spirit. He used to preach for Kenneth Reeves and several of the other men around that, uh, that, uh, that worked in spiritual things and churches that worked in the Spirit. And he did. I've heard more than one person. In fact, I personally talked to Kenneth Reeves, and he told me some of the things that Morton Bustard did in his church. And, um, but he said when he first started preaching that he, he asked God, he said, you know, I, I want to operate in the gifts. And he said, I know that in order for me to operate in the gifts, he said, I have to draw close to you. So his prayer was this, God, help me to draw closer to you. And God spoke to him. And he said, if you want to draw closer to me, draw closer to your family. That's what he did, and now he works in the gifts of the Spirit. What's he saying? I'm saying it's, it's more, family's a big part of it. That was probably his weakness. But, it's whatever God asks you to do, whatever this book tells you to do. When you begin to draw close to God, you'll begin to do these things. You want to operate, and you want to be spiritual, then you draw close to those things that are here. You draw close to your family. You come under authority. You do what is right. That is the only way. So draw me close. He said, draw close to your family. You know, we don't focus on the storm. We focus on the things God has placed in our trust, His true gifts, our relationship with Him, our, our, our family and our, our neighbors, and the gifts will follow. Use the storm. Don't let the storm abuse you. Use it. Use it. If we could ever learn to use the areas that God puts us through, God, he, he, never, he never puts us in those places. He won't put more on you than you can bear. It's in our mind that tells us that we can't bear it. And I grow weary of rolling into the waves just like anybody else. But I also know that every time I do it, I'm building something. Yeah. 
focus on what the storm is doing for you. If Satan is hitting you with everything he can, it's because God is allowing it to happen. Just remember that. God is allowing it. I, my, my recent storm, I'm just going to tell, and I've told a lot of people the story, but I'm just going to tell you what happened. On December 8th, woke up at 4.30 in the morning. My second toe on my foot hurt so bad that I wanted to cry, scream. And if I'd had a, a, a pair of scissors, I'd have cut it off. And it just it hurt that much. Got up at 4.30. And my wife got up. She diagnosed me, as she always does. And she said, I either had gout or a blood clot. And I didn't really care which one as long as I could get it fixed. That's all I cared about is getting it fixed. And so I went through the rest of the day. And by 10 o'clock that night, it had moved up. It had gone up my foot part way. And she said, you better go to the emergency room. I went to the emergency room, looked at me, gave me a few pills, sent me home. And I was hoping it was over with the next day. woke up. It was worse. And we wound up going into uh, IMA, and uh, they put me on some IV antibiotics. They'd done that at the emergency room the night before and told me to come back on Saturday and have to go to, 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 the, uh, to the hospital. And uh, they would give me more I, uh, intravenous antibiotics. I got up. Went, went on that Friday to IMA, then we, we went on to, uh, on Saturday. I got up on that Saturday. No, I went, we went, yeah, we went on Saturday. And on Sunday, I was supposed to go back again. I got up on Sunday, and I couldn't, I couldn't even drag my foot. I couldn't, I, I, it was just felt like it was dead. And all this time, I was trying to figure out why, you know, why the storm is, you know, am I, am I, what do I need to learn? You know, I'm trying to do it ahead of time so I can get rid of it. Because I'm, I'm a strong believer in anything that you go through, there's a purpose in it. And if you can go back and fix what you broke or understand what God's trying to bring you through, then you can get through it. And I couldn't figure it out. Sunday, I said Sunday we got up. I was going to try to, I, didn't, I was hoping I could come to church. And that's when I got up and she said, we've got to go back to emergency room. Went back to emergency room. They looked at me once and they said, you're going be admitted. Bloomington Hospital, for them to say that you're admitted, normally you lay in a bed for about eight hours somewhere waiting for a room to come available. There was a room available. And they stuck me in a room, and I think they had an idea of what was going on at the time, but they stuck me by myself. And um, so I went in there, and, 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 you know, the doctor came in. They looked at it. They said, well, you'll be out in a couple of days. A couple of days went by. You'll be out another couple of days. A couple of days, you know, kept going until it was eight days. And... I laid in there. My wife, I know she was worried. My, ch- my kids were worried. I had the grandkids. You know, they, one time they said, and I'm sure you heard it, one time they said, I had MRSA. The next time, no, you don't have MRSA. And then they come back and, and bring all the gowns and the mask and stuff, say, you got it again. They didn't know what I had until at the end, and they said, yeah, you had MRSA. I just didn't think they wanted to say it. So, so I went in, and, you know, and, then, and I had to go through it. I was, you, know, you feel isolated. You feel by yourself. My wife, I felt bad about her having to come up there. She's, she's got her own knee problems, and I hated for her to have to deal with me. And uh, every time I would get out, I'd try to get out of bed, it was like taking my foot. When it went down, the blood would rush to it, and it was like, it was like scalding, like you put your foot in, a, in an acid. 
and you'd have to sit there and wait for the pain to subside to be able to even get up. And, and uh, of course, I couldn't put any weight on it. And I, uh, I remember the, the doctor coming in before they, did the, they cut it. And he came in and he said, he said, I, I don't know what else to do. That was his words. And then I realized, and I understand what God was doing, but I, I, I mean, Amy told my wife some of this, but I, uh, I, didn't, I didn't realize until he made that statement that, and I've already told, told you this before, but I didn't realize that I always based my faith in God on what a doctor said. I didn't realize I'd done that until he said that. And then I realized whatever I'm going through right now, you know, it, it's to, it's, I, I always ask God. My prayer is, God, I, I want to have the faith I need to have to see good things happen. And I certainly know that, it, that my faith alone didn't get me better. I know this church was praying. And I, I, I look and I see some of the results that we've already had this year and some of the good things that have happened. And, and I think if this is what it took for me to be able to have the faith for this, if God was teaching me something, then it's worth it. But I remember him making that statement, and when he made that statement, uh, my wife left shortly after that, and, and uh, I, I was laying in the bed, and, and I said, God, I said, if it's, I believe this too, and I'm not trying to garner any sympathy, but I just believe this. If it's time for you to go, if it's time for you to die, I believe God ought to let you know not to pray to be healed. And so I try to ask God, and I believe in it. I don't do this with everybody, but I think someone's spiritual enough and they're really sick, I'll ask them that question. Do you think this is time for you to go? Because there's no sense in praying for healing if God is... You may not like that, but I'm talking to spiritual people now. And so, so I said, God, if it's time for me to go, do not let this thing eat me up slowly. Just kill me. That's what I said. I said, just kill me. I said, this hurts. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? And uh, I got up, walked in to the bathroom. Drug in, I guess is better than walk. <laughs> and I, I, stood, I stood in front of the sink, and I felt myself going backwards. I got way beyond the point of recovering, you know, when you're, you're getting ready to fall. I got way beyond that. It was like I was, I'll never forget the feeling. I called my wife later and told her. I, I felt, and I felt hands catch me. And I heard God say, I bore you up three different times, and I'm going to bury you up again. I'll never, I'll never, because it didn't stop there. He said it, and then I come forward, and I started going to the right. And I felt hands again. And he, re, he, he spoke the same thing to me again. I bore you up three different times. And I can remember those times. And, and I, I, know, I knew from that point, okay, uh, God's in control now. And it was the next day that they cut the foot, poured three liters of liquid antibiotics in it, and it started getting better from them from that point. And I don't believe it was what they poured in the foot. I believe it was an act of God at that point because my faith was no longer in anything I heard them say. My faith had completely left that. And I, I, I realize now, 
Now, I, I, it's not, I'll always be, I'll always be, you know, courteous when it comes to doctors, and, and, I, and I will, and I'll do the right thing when it comes to all that, but I'm also saying that it's not in the hands of a man. Please, if there's ever a time that you need to learn that now, you need, it, it, it is now. You need to understand that now. If you want to get through the storms, it's not going to be somebody that leads you through it. It's going to be Jesus that leads you through it. Let's stand and the music would, would begin to play. Music would begin to play. It's going to be Jesus that leads you through it. It's going to be faith in Him. It doesn't matter what a man says. They are limited in their knowledge. And I had good men. I enjoyed the, the doctors I had. They were good. And I enjoyed talking to them. And then, but, but my God, my God, when you know that they can only do so much, when you know that it's in Jesus' hands, that's the best hands to be in. Let's raise our hands for a minute. And I'm just going to open this altar for people who are in the storm. If you have never received the Holy Ghost, if you've never been, never been baptized in Jesus' name, never made a start for God, repented of your sins, this altar is open for you. And this altar is open also for people who are tired of the storms. You want the storms to be over with in your life, then come down here and just stand at this altar. And we're going to pray that the storms, the depression, and all that's involved begins to just melt away. Tonight is your night. Tonight the storm ends. Tonight the storm ends. Tonight the storm ends. I cannot endure anymore. There's a time for it to stop. The Bible says for everything there's a season. There's a season of storms. But there is a season when the storms stop. Do you want the storm to stop? Then come down here and pray. Let's believe God is going to take care of it.